0: Good morning, good morning, good morning, Lake House Church. This is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice, and we will be glad in it. I'll tell you what, those words, when you are going through difficult times, will become the foundation which you stand on. I want to wish you guys a happy 4th of July. There are... Certain holidays that I really enjoy and the 4th of July is is one of them, not because I get a a day off from my software job and get to spend it uh, looking at fireworks, but because as I prepare for messages, I have to do a little bit extra homework on why do we celebrate this. And and you'll realize that as we go through, there's a lot of good reasons why we sell Memorial Day, uh, Veterans Day, 4th of July, Thanksgiving. And it really focuses you on specific things that we as a nation should be doing every day. Like Valentine's Day just reminds all the guys to buy flowers at least once a year. You know what I mean? But that's something that we should be doing all the time. But at least there's a reminder out there on our calendars. You know, one of the things that I really enjoy about the 4th of July is that it really combines two huge aspects of my life. My relationship with Jesus Christ and and God and my citizenship in the United States of America. And we are so very, very, very blessed to be in America. We really don't understand what the world endures and what is going through and the freedoms that we have, the freedoms that we have to express, the freedoms that we have to get together and meet freely, not expecting the police to to burst down our doors and possibly arrest us just because we're proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. We have so much to be thankful for. Our pantries are full. Our cars are in the parking lot. Our homes, our swimming pools. Those of you who have swimming pools, please raise your hand because I'd like to know because it's getting a little warm. But, you know, those that have swimming pools, be thankful for them, okay? Until you don't have it, you don't know what it's like, no. When our founding fathers put together a document, it guided and directed us into certain areas and these areas I can understand why they directed us to and, and I was just thinking about this uh, yesterday in that um, Ashlyn I don't normally use her as an analogy but this is a good one she, uh, she our arrangement is she helps clean the house on Saturday morning and she does a phenomenal job for about an hour an hour and a half on Saturday mornings. she is wonderful and she does really good work and this isn't a commercial she's not trying to work herself <laughs> out of that job but I have realized that every Saturday morning, though, she comes to me and she'll say, Dad, what do you want me to do for my cleaning time today? And I'll normally give her some specific areas. And that's where she gets her direction. And I want you to know she's never complained and she's always done a great job. But because our house is large, she could have picked one little thing to do And spent her whole hour and a half on it. I could have came and said, Okay, what did you clean today? And she's like, You see this doorknob? I polished it. And I polished it good. And I polished the underneath. And I took the bolts out. And that's not exactly what I was really needing from her when I was saying, Help us clean the house. So she is coming to me for direction and saying, Okay, Dad, what do you want me to do? And as we look at the Declaration of Independence, our founding fathers gave us some direction because they knew that there could be so many areas that we as a country could be distracted. You see, nowhere in the Declaration does it just say, go out and make as much money as you can, do what you need to get ahead, you know, and just put work number one. They didn't do that. There's a part of the Declaration that we all know and probably can quote, and it says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and that they are endowed by their Creator, which is God, not some squirrely little thing that was swimming in a pool at one time, and, are, and are, with certain unalienable rights that among these are, and do you all know them? Let's say them together. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now what they're telling us is, look, as a nation, for you to be successful, look at these elements. Okay? At nowhere was there in the fame, fortune, popularity, money is not being mentioned. It's saying, look for life, look for liberty, and look for happiness. And I wanted to talk to you about this because what we see in America today is most people are just pursuing these things. They're pursuing them and they're never catching them. They're always looking for a better lifestyle. They're always looking for happiness. They're looking that if I can get into this relationship, that will make me happy. If I can get that job or that promotion, that will make me happy. If my spouse would just do this, or my children would just do this, then I would be happy. You know, a lot of people have a misconception that if I can make this much money, you will be happy. And I'm going to tell you that when you get this much money, you just have a different set of problems. It's never enough. Our bodies, our sinful natures, will always crave more, 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 and more. There's things that we have to understand about our freedom that we've been given. And freedom is is more than the wealthiest person in America could pay. So I looked up this week, and I did a research on the... the, I looked at the top ten wealthiest people in America. In the top five, we have the list. Can you put that list up? The top five are actually living here in the U.S. I didn't know that number one was Carlos Halu, who owns Telecom. I thought Bill Gates would have been number one, but he's number two, coming in at a, just a mere $56 billion. So we need to pray for Bill Gates, okay? Uh, number three is Warren Buffett. Number four is Bernard Arnault from France. And number five is Larry Ellison with Oracle. The interesting thing is there is a tremendous amount of wealth here in the United States. Huge amount. Billionaires. Not millionaires. Billionaires. And yet, with all of their wealth, with all their resources, with all the power that they have, they could not buy the freedom that Jesus Christ bought for them on the cross. They cannot buy a healing or miraculous touch. They cannot buy the peace that you experience when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And it's amazing what we have as far as the freedom that God has given us. You ask a man who is laboring in the fields of China under communism, what freedom cost, what he would give for for freedom. Or you talk to somebody who is in a third world prison because they they, uh, did something very minor and maybe were falsely accused. And here they're serving this sentence. What would freedom, what would they give for freedom? See, we've probably never been in one of those situations, so we've never really thought what freedom would be. If everything that you knew changed today, what would you give for that freedom? Because you can't buy it. We understand that. It's something that we have received, and freedom is priceless. John 8, verse 36 tells us this, So if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed now what is this saying to you you know what this is telling me that when christ set me free he set me free from my past he set me free from sin he set me free from guilt he set me free from all the things and torment that was in my past life and yet the body of christ is still walking around remembering those things even though they have freedom Why if you're in a prison cell and somebody comes and opens the door and says, Scott, you're free to go. Why would Scott want to still sit in here and say, I'm just kind of comfortable with this place. Yeah, I got a cot and a commode and a sink and I'm happy. He never designed us to live in a world of of captivity. But he has given us freedom. And sometimes we look at this freedom and we don't appreciate the freedom that has been given to us. You know, when you start researching the the formation of our country and what our founding fathers did and wrote, the principles that they put down, we were based on the Bible. Whether you want to realize it or not, we are based on the Bible. And unfortunately, even as of this week, we have a, a Veterans Cemetery down in Houston now that is banning the name of God, Jesus. You can't even say, bless you, Down there. And now there's lawsuits that our veterans cannot even at a funeral mention the name of God or Jesus at a funeral service. There's something getting out of whack in our nation today when we were based on biblical principles and we can't say God. In fact, it's still amazing that on my money, there still says, In God we trust. And I truly believe that if our country doesn't turn around, if our country doesn't stand up, Every year, more of our freedoms are going to get eroded away. And it's a time that we have to start standing up and understanding who we are in Christ, the power and the authority that He's given us, because we as a nation are no longer basing ourselves on the Bible. Thank you for that one clap. You know, when, when Martin Luther King actually said, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty I am free at last. He understood who was he thanking. He was thanking God that he was free at last. He wasn't thanking the NAACP. He wasn't thanking the police that were protecting him. He was thanking his Creator. It is from God that all good things flow. And we have to understand the freedom that God has given us so that we will walk in the gifts and callings that he has brought to us. Paul and Silas found freedom in a prison cell. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego found freedom in the fire. Daniel found freedom in the lion's den. See, it doesn't matter where your circumstances are. It doesn't matter where you are right now. It doesn't matter whether you're employed or unemployed. It doesn't matter whether you're single or married. You can find freedom because the Son has set you free. And you cannot wait for circumstances to to change for you to start walking in the gifts and calling of who you are. So it's important that we understand. I want to quickly look at these three pursuits that they have given us as we go through the Word of God. First off, they tell us one of the pursuits is life. Well, you want to talk about life and not the cereal, we're going to look at the Word of God. So I look at John fourteen six, And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes unto the Father except by me. Now, what is life to this world right now? You know, if Charlie Sheen wrote a book right now, (laughs) Winning, okay, his book would be written about a lot of drugs, a lot of alcohol, a lot of promiscuity. That would be life to him. Do you understand? Now, I don't think anybody's going to make poster, uh, Charlie Seen the poster child of their life. You know, I don't even think they're selling that poster right now. Oh, that's who I want to be like. I want to grow up and be just like Him. The world is truly looking for a model to follow. We, the body of Christ, should be that model. Amen. That no matter what our circumstances, no matter what's coming at us, no matter what we're dealing with, we stand on the Word of God. Even this week, as I went through probably one of the most horrific weeks I've ever had to go through, I had to stand on certain scriptures. I reminded myself, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Did I feel like saying it? No. But I had to remind myself that the joy of the Lord is my strength. It didn't say Mark is my strength. It didn't say that Bill Brown was going to be my strength. It didn't say my lovely wife was going to be my strength. I have to go back to the foundation of what is my strength. And that joy comes from my relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, when we look at the things of this world, when we look at people to make us happy, we will be disappointed. Don't put your hope and trust in man. Put your hope and trust in God. He is the one who will see you through. He is the one who is faithful. He is the one who never sleeps. He is the one who doesn't take vacation time. You're never going to get His voicemail. You're never going to get a reply email that, I've taken this century off, I'll get back with you later. God is always there 24-7, 365 days a year. He hears you when you're crying out at 2 a.m. in the morning. He knows when you're walking into a situation. He holds my tomorrow. And I take comfort in that because I don't know what tomorrow holds. But I know that He does and that I am the apple of His eye. That He loves me. You see, when you understand God's love, you understand that He'll walk you through that fiery furnace. He's going to walk you through the valley of the shadow of death. And it is just a shadow. But it's important that we understand. We can't, get our, we can't get our definition of life from Life magazine. It has to come from the Word of God. God gives us different types of life. According to John 10.10, 10, He gives us abundant life. We all know that the, John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But the second part says, I have come that they might have life and they might have it more abundant. Abundantly. You see, that scripture, if you look at that scripture, it says the thief is coming to steal from you. God is coming to give to you. Do you understand that? We get that mixed up sometimes. People say to me, I don't know why God took this away from me." God did not take that away from you. Satan is the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy from you. You have to understand who you are fighting with. You're not fighting with your boss. You're fighting the powers and rulers of darkness behind that boss. You're not fighting with that neighbor. You're fighting against the powers and rulers and darkness and depression and anguish that's behind that neighbor. And when you start binding that in the name of Jesus, now you're doing spiritual warfare. Just getting mad at them and turning the sprinklers on them is just going to get a matter at you. Okay? And I'm not saying that from experience. I'm just saying it's just going to get a matter at you. We have to give up the ability to, for revenge, we have to give up that ability. And we have to turn it over to God and say, God, I trust you in every situation. I can't control this situation. I don't understand this situation, but I trust in you. And that is when we grow spiritually, when we trust God in every situation. Not certain situations, not only on certain days, not only when we feel righteous, even when you feel your worst and you put your trust in God, that's when you grow spiritually. Because when we're weakest, that's when he is strongest. You see, some of you guys think you need to put on your little Superman before you start quoting scripture it's when you're waking up in the morning is when you need to start quoting scripture do you understand because we are in a fight our nation is in a fight morality is in a fight our education is falling apart our financial system is falling apart our government is falling apart and this is not a gloom and new message I'm telling you but if you put your life and hope and pursuit of happiness in the things of this world then Charlie Sheen should be your poster child And free alcohol will be available in the lobby for you. That is not our hope. God is our hope. God is our source. God is our strength. John 3.16 tells me I have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So wait a second, when, what I want you to do is this: If there's one thing you remember from this message is that when you hear the word "life," I want you to thank Jesus. Because every time you hear the word "life, think Jesus. So we know that He's going to give us abundant life. He's going to give us everlasting life. What about eternal life? Mark 10:17 says, "As Jesus was coming out to the road, a man came running to him and knelt in front of him. And he asked Jesus. Good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? You see, they're coming to Jesus for eternal life. Jesus' words were life. Do you understand this? Jesus' words were life. Your words can speak life or death into a situation. I'm going to repeat that statement. Your words can speak life or death into a situation. Your words can speak life or death into your relationship, into your finances, into your children, into your family. Your and we have to understand the power of our words. Amen. Amen. Jesus's life was his words were life. John 6:35 told it says this. Jesus told them, "I am the bread of life." And whoever comes to me will never be hungry. And whoever believes in me will never become thirsty. Do you understand? Life is Jesus. Jesus is life. He also said that He was the water of life. In John 4.10, Jesus replied to her and said, If only you knew what God's gift is and who is asking you for a drink, you would have asked Him for a drink because He would have given you living water. See, the only way we're going to enjoy life is when we put Jesus as the center point of it. The center point is where we get our direction, our guidance. Do you understand? It's like the plumb line for, for those who understand a plumb line. That is what's on the level. Yep. And anything below the plumb line is not going to work. Jesus has to become our center point so that we truly can understand life. In Him was life. John 1.4 says that He was the source of life and that life was the light for humanity. You see, the life that He gives us right now is more abundant and richer and fuller than I could ever achieve on my own. Amen, that's right. Without Christ, I probably could have become successful, but I wouldn't have been happy. Amen, amen. Without Christ, I wouldn't have had a godly wife. Without Christ, I probably wouldn't have had great children. Without Christ, I definitely wouldn't be standing here preaching to you all on 4th of July, 3rd of July. But it's Him who lives in me, that I enjoy the life that He has given me. And sometimes we have to realize how good our life is compared to the rest of this world. That no matter what situation you're going through right now, no matter what heartache, no matter what disappointment you are, we can introduce you to someone who's going through a more difficult time. And then you'll be thankful that, God, I am not walking through that right now. Forgive me for my bitterness. This week, I even had to pray in my own personal time and said, God, forgive me of my weakness. Forgive me, Father, when I have tried to carry things on my own and not given them to You. Amen. Forgive me, God. Cleanse me, O oh God. You know, when you are in mourning, there's times where I just... I, I think everything just draws me to repentance. God, would You forgive me of anything in my life? Matthew ten thirty-eight and 39 says, Whoever doesn't take up his cross and follow me doesn't deserve to be my disciple. The person who tries to preserve his life will lose it. But the person who loses his life for me will preserve it. We have to lose ourselves. You see, in America today, it's about finding yourself, gaining, being number one. And the Bible's giving a completely different message. Servant leadership is probably never going to fill out the convention center. You see? Because we don't like that word servant leadership. We don't want to serve. We want to be served. Do you understand? That's why even with the men we've been talking on Tuesday nights, we're going to go out and we're going to start serving. This was a great opportunity with the town of Pantigo to say, we're coming to serve. And we have nothing on our agenda. We're not trying to get names. We're not putting them into a database. We're not going to try to, to uh, give out t-shirts. and get We're going to love people. In fact, if you want to look at it this way, even though we're serving... Food. this is just like a good old foot washing service that's right. we're here to serve what can we do that's what's going to happen when the body of Christ starts seeking first the kingdom of God first going out and just loving people going out and loving people not expecting people to come to us and meet our standards before we accept them it is amazing what God is going to put in your path when you pray Lord send me out It doesn't mean that He's necessarily going to be sending you to Africa. He may be just sending you over to Dow Worthington Gardens. Maybe that's where your mission field is for today. That's true. (laughs) Our second is liberty. Liberty. Galatians 5.1 says this, Christ has freed us so that we may enjoy the benefits of freedom. Therefore, be firm in this freedom and do not become slaves again. You see, liberty is more than a statue that stands outside New York City. Liberty is more than being able to climb the company ladder. Liberty is more than being able to choose HMO or PPO or Obamacare. (laughs) Don't even get me started on that one. Liberty is more than choosing McDonald's or Burger King or Chick-fil-A. You see, what we think of liberty... We truly don't understand what liberty means. Liberty is the root of all hope. You see, it is the root of all hope. Sin held me captive. But when Christ came into my life, He freed me from addictions, sin, past, all that held me before. And unfortunately, I see so many people today still held with the captive of sin. Sin the captivity of sin and as I said earlier sin is never satisfied think about this sin is never satisfied affairs started out with flirtatious looks but that wasn't enough and it had to grow more corporations have been ruined financially because one bad decision was made and we got away with it so if we got away with that then why do we do this and if we do this, and the employees will do this, then we can do this. And all of a sudden, that's where sin catches you. When you're driving down a road late at night, just looking for trouble, trouble will find you. Do you understand? I shake my head sometimes because I, I, I see the news in the morning. It's like, yeah, these three people were out, you know, at 3 a.m. and they didn't have shirts on. I've told you that. You know, I think if you want to get arrested at night, just walk out without your shirt on. I have no idea. Most people get arrested at night are shirtless men. Okay. Why are you out at 3 a.m.? You understand? Now, I mean, I understand. Joe works some, at American Airlines some shifts that require that. But when you choose to go out and just drive around, see who else you can see, and talk about 3 a.m., something's going to happen. on it. Liberty set us free. Jesus' mission was liberty. John, uh, Luke 4:18 to 19 says, "The Spirit of the Lord is upon me." And He has anointed me to tell the good news to the poor. Yeah. And He has sent me to announce release to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind and to set the oppressed people free and to announce the year of the Lord's favor. Yeah. You see, the Spirit brings liberty. 2 Corinthians 3.17 tells us, now the, Lord, now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Do you see what it said there? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. God. You want to walk in liberty, walk in the Spirit of God. Amen. You want to understand life, understand Jesus. You want to understand liberty, walk in the Spirit of God. Amen. See, we have to understand that Christ removed the burden of trying to please Him for the guilt of our past. I unfortunately get to talk with a lot of people that have asked Christ into their heart and have received salvation but haven't been able to let go of the past. They still carry it around. Some of them carry it in a little black bag. Some of them have a very nice suitcase. Some of them have an elaborate trunk with shrines and candles and they want to open it up and they want to show you their past. And I'm trying to tell them this is not you anymore because what Christ did on the cross... This is not your past. This is not your bondage. This is not your captivity anymore. Why are we putting a shrine to this thing? Why do we remember it every day? Why do we put remembrances so we can? Yeah, that's right. Do you understand? We have to guard our hearts and our minds. Mm-hmm. You know what? If a certain song takes you to a certain time in your life that you would like to forget, I'm going to just step out on a limb here and say, would you stop listening to that song? Amen. Amen. Oh, but I love that song, Pastor Mark. Then you must still love the captivity that you had because that's the connection. Do you understand? I can listen to a song that reminds me of high school. I can remember a song that reminds me of a time in college. I can remember a song that reminded me when I was dating Kristen. But every song was great when I was dating Kristen. But you know, everything was going on. There are times that I want to go back and remember those. And then there are some times in my life, some dark times, some dark seasons in my life, I don't want to remember. So I guard my heart, I guard my eyes. We have to learn some discernment to protect our hearts. You know, a couple weeks ago, I told the men we have to be—what was the? uh, We have to be the the firewall to our homes, to our hearts. The firewall is what keeps the viruses and everything out from our computer, our hard drive, our memory. Wow, isn't it interesting how we could preach a whole message just on that? (laughs) You might even get like a Microsoft certification at the very end. But wouldn't it be great, all the features of what we're trying to do in our homes, our lives. So it's important that we protect and guard ourselves. By trusting Christ, I am accepted. I am forgiven. I am free to live for Him. Do you understand that? By accepting Christ, I am forgiven and I am accepted and I am free. Many of us can understand the concepts of being forgiven. Some struggle with the term of being accepted because maybe you never felt accepted as a child. Maybe this is a term that is very foreign to you. Maybe you don't understand grace and mercy because you were never shown grace and mercy. Then what I would tell you to do is look up everywhere grace and mercy is appearing in the Bible and start searching those Scriptures out, studying those Scriptures, understanding them, (coughs) Excuse me. It's so that we can understand what we have and that liberty is found in Jesus. Happiness. Happiness was the third element of that passage. John 15 verses 9 through 11 tells us this. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and I abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Elements, key words in there. Do you you see that? His joy and my joy. When you're reading a passage like this, what is really jumping out? You see, I'm going to tell you that happiness will come and go out of your life. Come on. Happiness can come from a promotion at work. And that's great. Happiness can come from a new car. Yeah. Happiness can come from a new friend or new relationship. Yeah. Happiness can be finding a great new restaurant. And for me, it's yeah. got coupons because when you're feeding five people, <laughs> that would be true <laughs> happiness. <laughs> But happiness can come and go. And I'm going to tell you that happiness is temporary. Come on. And you say, wow, Pastor Murray, that's... that's No, I'm going to tell you, happiness is temporary because it's based on circumstances. It's based on performance. As long as I do this for Randy, Randy's going to be happy. But what happens when I, maybe he likes a certain kind of coffee every morning. And man, when Rebecca gets up and and she, she grinds the beans specially and she milks the cow so that cream is fresh, she ices it down and it's got to be exactly 28 degrees and she brings it to him on a nice little platter and that makes him happy. But what happens when Rebecca says, the cow died, so I, I bought store-bought milk. And, and the, he's like, okay, maybe I'm not as happy because I noticed a little difference in taste. And then after a while, it was, you know, the grinder broke, so I just got it chopped up at the store, and I got the mega buy- bag at Costco, so we're going to have this for the next three years, and sure it'll get a little funny after about a year and a half, but just live with it. All of a sudden now, Randy's not as... Happy with that coffee. Is the coffee still coming every day? Yes. Is she still faithful? Yes. But it doesn't taste as good. It's not made with the same elements. You see, happiness is fickle. Joy is an attitude that we as born-again Christians have to comprehend, understand, and insert inside of us. That no matter what your circumstances, no matter what your coffee tastes like, you're going to have joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Unfortunately, I don't see a lot of joy in the world today because the joy is searching for happiness. Wow. And happiness, as we just learned, is temporary. But joy is an attitude. Joy is a mindset. Romans 14.7 says this, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Wow. So if we get these from the Holy Spirit, then the more that we seek after the Holy Spirit, the more we surrender ourselves to the Holy Spirit, the more we quit putting the Holy Spirit in a box, okay, of what we think the Holy Spirit should and can do. Wow, okay. Did you all just grasp that? You see, we put... Let's go upstream a little bit. There are times where we put God in a box. This is what God should do. If I were God, this is what I would do. And when God doesn't do that, we become disappointed. Sometimes we become unhappy because it was based on what we expected God to do. The Word of God says that His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Man, I'm like the speck of dirt and intelligence to God. Okay. And I'm trying to tell Him how to build this place. It's important that we understand the more we seek after the Holy Spirit, the more we seek after more of the Holy Spirit, the more we come before and just say, whatever you want to do in my life, God, Holy Spirit, move and work in me. And to do that, you have to break off all the barriers that you've ever thought about the Holy Spirit and truly search the Word of God on who the Holy Spirit is. Because the Holy Spirit is powerful. And it's important that we understand that it's through that we also can have the peace and the joy. You see, when we're trying to get our joy from other sources, it's going to be limited in supply. That coffee made Randy happy for a while. But then after a while, either the ingredients changed or Randy changed, but it wasn't making him happy anymore. You know, I've used the analogy, a new car is phenomenal. But how many of y'all had new cars and have had them now over a year and you don't get excited every morning that you get to go out and start it, do you? No. But those first few times, it was like, man, I've stuck my head in so many cars just so I can get new car smell. I don't want to stick my head in your 2, five, ten year old car and smell socks. Okay? It's hard for me to get excited. Woo! Something dying there? You know, but man, when it's new, oh, you got to smell this new car smell. You see... Happiness will come and go based upon situations. First Peter 1 8 says that it's not on the slides, gentlemen, but it says joy unspeakable and full of glory. Joy unspeakable. Have any of you ever encountered so much joy you could not describe it? Because if you haven't, then that means there's more joy out there than you've ever experienced in your life. Do you understand? I don't want to go through my life just living eating hamburgers. If God has some steak out there for me, I'd like to do it. I'd like to taste God's steak. I may be hungry, but it may just not be ground sirloin. I want the top. I want all of God. I want all of the Holy Spirit so that I truly can understand what life, liberty and happiness or joy is truly about. I don't want to go through life just going through the motions. Colossians 1.11 tells us this, We ask Him to strengthen you by His glorious might. With all power, you need to patiently endure everything with joy. Endure is not a fun word. There's sometimes we have to endure sickness or affliction. 1 Thessalonians 1.6 said, You imitated us and the Lord in spite of a lot of suffering. You welcome God's Word with the kindness of joy that the Holy Spirit gives. You know what that Scripture is telling you? That even in the difficult times, you can have joy. Even when circumstances are not going your way, you can still have joy. Does that mean you have to be laughing and giggling? No. It means that you have a calm assurance that everything is going to be alright because of God's hand on your life. Amen. No matter what's happening in your world, you can stay anchored and secure. It even talks about temptations. James 1, verses 2 and 3 says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter the various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. I wish I could just tell you that everything is going to be honky-dory when you accept Christ as your Savior. You're going to experience a lot of honky and a lot of dory, but normally do they come together. And it's your strength and your relationship in Jesus Christ that is going to make you who you are. This last Sunday, and especially Saturday night, I got to spend about three hours with my mom. But it was interesting, all day Saturday as the family was gathering around, everybody shared elements of her life that touched her. They remembered her strengths. No one ever mentioned a weakness. My mom couldn't whip as hard as my dad, but I didn't think that was an appropriate time to bring that up. You know, no one mentioned anything. They were all the strengths and positive things about her life. And that made me realize that, you know, as we go through life, we are making that list of what people are going to remember about us that when a name is mentioned, certain things will pop into it. And I want my life, I want your life, that when people mention your name, they'll say, you know what, that was a person who would pray for me. That was a person that no matter what they were going through, they stood on God's Word. I never saw them fall apart without that Bible on their lap. Yes, there could be some tear stains in your Bible, but that's, those words should be what's being engraved on your heart. You see, it's important that we understand who we are in Christ and that our country is searching for life, liberty, and happiness in all the wrong places. And it's only through a relationship with Jesus Christ that we're going to find that happiness, that joy, that peace, that freedom, that liberty that created this country to be who it was. God has so much to offer us. I think it's just about time that we opened up our expectations of what God wants to do in our life. I truly believe that God wants to pour out a blessing on us that we can barely contain. I want joy unspeakable. I want to not be able to tell you about how joyful I am. Would that be great? I mean, i just stand up here and go... And you know what? You'd be getting it because you're experiencing it too. I don't want to go there alone because then all of a sudden Cody's just looking at me like, what? I want him to be like, I know that feeling. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. If it's in the Word of God, then I can stand on it. Do you understand? That wasn't written by a well-written author. That's in the Word of God. And when it's in the Word of God, we can stand. If you want to start experiencing life If you want to start experiencing liberty and happiness like you have never experienced it before, I want to give you an opportunity to make one of the most important decisions you'll ever make in your life. And that is to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because what Christ did on the cross was the most important thing that ever happened in our history. And through that sacrifice on a cross, He purchased your sins, your sickness, your disease, and nailed it to a cross. As you know, last week my mom went on to be with the Lord. In fact, on Monday afternoon, my sisters and my nieces all went to get their nails done. I didn't go. Okay, just want you to. Know. I don't get. And uh, they were there, and, and they were talking, and they they said they were getting ready for a big event, and the person that was doing their nails said, Oh, is it a wedding? And they said, No, it's a celebration of our mom. And he goes, I've never seen this much happiness in a family preparing for a funeral. You see, their life reflected the hope of glory. They didn't go in there mourning and crying and weeping and and wailing and, and, and drawing attention. They actually went in and they were celebrating all that our mom had been to us. You see... And it's because our hope is not in this world. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. Amen. That no matter what circumstances you're going through, there's the hope of glory. And I know that I will see my mom one day sometime. I'm looking forward to that day. Amen. But it's because it's the hope that I know that we have. Because I have learned every one of us will breathe our last breath. Amen. And the decision you're making right now will determine where you'll spend eternity. Amen. We cannot fathom eternity. That's right. We truly cannot fathom eternity. You can give me Webster's Dictionary, but you have never fathomed eternity. I'd like for all heads to be bowed and all eyes to be closed as I lead you in a very simple prayer. And I want to... I want to encourage you, whether you are here or listening to this on the web, if you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to say this prayer with me. And I want you to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, became the perfect sacrifice for you, washed you clean, forgave you of your past, cleansed you of everything that you've ever done, and doesn't see your filthy past, but sees you as white as snow. Would you join me in this prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I need Your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave to give me life. Please forgive me. Change my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I now confess Jesus Christ as my Savior and and I am saved. Amen. Amen. Now if you said that, your past is forgiven. Your future is full of hope. And you can actually experience joy unspeakable and full of glory. And I'd like to walk that path with you. But it's important that you understand who Christ is and what the Word of God does. I want you to get hungry for the Word of God. I want you to get hungry for Scriptures that when you go through difficult times, you have those Scriptures that you stand upon. Not people that you will go to, but that it will be inside of you and not inside of others. I'd like to say a blessing over you as we dismiss. So if you all could stand. I want to remind you that we have an opportunity tomorrow to serve our city. I will be there. If I'm handing out hot dogs, I'll be the one smiling handing out hot dogs. But I'm going to serve, and I'd love for you, if you have no plans, to join us tomorrow. May the Lord bless you and protect you. And may the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you His favor and give you His peace. So go in His peace. God bless you guys. We love you. Happy Fourth of July. We'll see you hopefully Monday night. Men, I'll see you Tuesday night. Youth will be with our great Mike and Olivia on Wednesday night. God bless you guys.